0: Well, thank you all so very much for coming this morning. Thank you to Emma for organising that amazing breakfast. Thank you ladies for bringing the brekkie and the boys who've already disappeared for the coffee and the food. I hope you've all enjoyed yourselves. Now, before we get started, how about if we just pray together? I know that I definitely need the Lord's help this morning, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a gracious, gracious, and kind and loving God. Thank you that your word leads us to the truth and we thank you that this morning we can come to you in our weaknesses and you will meet us there. Lord, we pray that um, you would help us to have eyes to see and hearts to hear your word and your truth and we'd be amazed this morning by your grace to us. Lord, please help me as I communicate your truth. Help me to do that clearly and to do it well and to bring grace to the hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, we've (coughs) called this talk The Snare of Compare. Uh, I just want to let you know that Carolyn Mahaney actually did a talk by the same name um, a few years ago for the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference. You can find it on YouTube. And uh, I've based some of my talk this morning on the passage that we're going to be looking at. Um, and I'd highly recommend, though, if you want to, to also listen to her talk. It is a bit different, but she's got a lot of really encouraging and helpful things to say on the subject of comparison. So the first point this morning is the snare. Now, when I think of a snare, I think of those rope-style traps in the jungle, you know, that are laying in wait for an animal to come along and then wham, it captures the animal and flies up into the air. And then the more the captured animal struggles, the more it gets tangled in the ropes. And I think that the snare of comparing for us as women can have the potentially same outcome. Um, You know, last year, last July school holidays, our whole family got really sick with the flu. And it was a bit like a hospital ward for about two weeks in our house. Everybody had their own separate rooms, their own separate couch. Thankfully, Abigail did not get sick. So she was like the nurse dishing out the medication to us all. And, um, you know, I remember during that time that um, I was feeling pretty crook. And I picked up my phone and started flipping through Facebook and Instagram. And it seemed like everybody, every single one of my friends had gone on vacation. While I am sick in bed, everybody else is out enjoying Family togetherness time. While my family is sick and miserable at home, in our beds and on the couch, and as I continued to scroll through Facebook, I became increasingly aware of the aggravation that was growing in my heart. I have to confess, I was definitely not liking anybody's posts or photos. Uh, I was really, sadly, not very happy for them that they were off having a great time and enjoying God's blessings in their life. And now instead of putting my phone down, which probably would have been the wise thing to do, what did I do? Instead, I continued to scroll. And after the more I scrolled, the more I compared my current situation to theirs and without realizing it, I had walked smack bang into the snare of comparison and the more comparisons I made, the more tangled I became in that trap of very joyless discontentment. Now thankfully, in God's kindness to me, I was eventually able to see what was really happening in my heart and by God's grace I was able to repent of that simple comparing and my very ungrateful attitude. But I have to admit, it did take a few days. (laughs) Um, Now, I'm sure that maybe some of you can relate to my story this morning. Maybe you've had similar experiences. You know, your circumstances are less than ideal. And yet, as you compare yourself to others, it may seem like God has given everybody else a fantastic deal right now, except for you. At this point, I would definitely have to say that for myself, social media would definitely be at the top of the list of a common source of temptation that the enemy can potentially use to snare us <clears throat> excuse me in the trap of comparing our lives to others and not just our friends' lives but I mean complete strangers and celebrities and yet even though we can be aware of that trap it still often doesn't stop us from running headlong into it But for you, maybe it's not social media that tempts you. Maybe it's the people around you, you know, the moms in your mom's group or play group or the women at the school gate or even women at church. We can unknowingly become trapped by having to measure ourselves up against other women. Or maybe for you, it's things that are portrayed on TV compared to your seemingly dull life, especially once you become a mother. Um, The endless reality TV shows that portray beautiful lives, beautiful people, beautiful homes, beautiful locations, but you compare your home and your kids and your marriage or whatever to theirs, but it really leaves you feeling very dissatisfied and discontent. I think as women, um, I think we can be very prone to the snares of sinful comparison And I believe that the culture we live in actually really breeds it and feeds it and even can encourage it in us from a very young age. So this morning we want to specifically consider what these snares might look like in motherhood and how God has given us a way to find freedom from them. You know, when I think of comparisons in motherhood, I think it can actually start the minute we see those little two lines on a pregnancy test. You know, we can be tempted to start comparing all the little details of our pregnancy to those who've already had babies. And then can come the numerous comparisons of the labor and the birth experience. And this flows on to the endless comparisons of the newborn stage. You know, how's my baby feeding, sleeping, pooping, peeing, burping compared to her baby? You know, is my baby doing all the right things compared to hers? And of course, then the snares of comparison can continue through every age and stage of our parenting, the comparing of our children's milestones, their progress, the chosen school they're attending, their achievements, their talents, then on to their love life, who they marry, and even when we have grandchildren. And so it goes on and on and on. These temptations may well follow us all the days of being a mum. And if we're not aware of it, and we don't learn how to find freedom from its snare, we can end up producing some really bad fruit as a result of it. So point number two is what awaits us in the snare? You know, when an animal is enticed into one of those traps, they are usually very distressed to find that the reward that they were after is not at all what is waiting for them. They are trapped with no way out unless somebody helps them. And i think so it can be when that trap we walk into of us to compare ourselves to others if the root in our heart is simple comparing i think that often the fruit that we can end up producing is either superiority or inferiority if we compare ourselves to others and we come up looking better than them we can often have a very proud heart and often fall into feeling superior And I think, sadly, as women, it's probably not that uncommon for us to walk into a room and start measuring ourselves up against the other women around us. We might be tempted to compare our appearance. How do we look compared to them? Or maybe our position, our role, our accomplishments, our kids, or even our spiritual maturity, depending on the situation or the setting. Now, when we feel like we come out on top of these comparisons, I think that we can end up with a very proud heart and the fruit of that is not good. In these moments we can be like the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 verse 11 who he compares himself to the tax collector and he ends up boasting and saying I thank God that I am not like other men. He has clearly compared himself to the tax collector who is a sinner and he has come out feeling far superior. Now, the other fruit that we are likely to produce when we sinfully compare is probably a bit more common amongst us, and that would be inferiority. When we constantly compare, the fruit of inferiority will likely flourish in us. We can become consumed with thoughts and feelings of insecurity and fears, anxiety, discontentment, jealousy, coveting, and even idolatry. The fear and anxiety we have when we feel Inferior, it often grows. And then we can allow this fear and anxiety to grip us as we constantly use others as some kind of measuring stick of good motherhood. Constant comparisons can also leave us feeling less than, less beautiful, less talented, less worthy, less loved by God. But what then are we believing about God in those moments? We have possibly at that time forgotten the truth about God and who He says He is. We may even begin to doubt his goodness. We might ask questions like, is he really in control? Is he really enough? Is he being unfair, unkind, or even (laughs) unloving? I think the end result of all of this is that we are often left feeling discontent with who we are, unhappy with our circumstances, ungrateful for the blessings we have, and most certainly we usually lack joy. Just like I did when I was sick, and sadly have to admit, have felt on many other occasions. But you know, no matter what the fruit of our sinful comparing, whether it's a heart that feels superior or feelings of being inferior, comparing always keeps our eyes on ourselves and not on God. You may have heard the phrases, comparison kills and comparison is a thief, and I am definitely inclined to agree with those statements. But where does this comparing come from? Well, I think it's actually a very crafty weapon used by Satan to rob us of our peace and our joy and our hope in Christ. Why? Because he knows that it is a very easy trap for us as moms to walk into. Satan knows that if he can just get us looking at ourselves and comparing ourselves to everyone else, then we will no longer actually be looking at Jesus. We'll be consumed with thoughts of ourselves and not consumed with thoughts of our Savior. So thankfully, though, the good news is that there is a way of escape for us. And that is my third point. The way of escape is that we have a loving and gracious Heavenly Father, ladies, who has not left us without a way of escape from the snare we may be trapped in. Now, in God's word, we're going to find actually a remarkable account in the book of John with words from Jesus to Peter that will show us a way of escape. So, if you want to turn to John 21, um, it's the last scene that John records in his gospel, and this is the third time that Jesus actually appears to his disciples after his resurrection. He's just cooked them a lovely breakfast on the beach, and now we get to listen into quite a profound conversation that takes place between Jesus and Peter. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter replies three times, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. At which point each time Jesus then tells Peter to feed my sheep. Now, by the third time Jesus is asking, do you love me? We actually read that Peter is grieved by this repetitive question. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. In essence what Peter is saying is you know my heart. Of course you know I love you. I've already told you that, so why do you keep asking me again? So let's go to verse eighteen and pick up the story and see what Jesus says to Peter John twenty one eighteen. Truly, truly I say to you When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Now here Jesus is telling Peter about the horrific suffering and death that Peter is going to face. Death by crucifixion. The worst, most torturous death imaginable in those times... And the same death, actually, that Peter had just witnessed Jesus suffer himself. And yet, Jesus' words to Peter were, follow me. Imagine how we might respond to that. What would you think and feel if Jesus told you now that your life was going to be full of trials and suffering, and that your death was going to be horrific and painful and unimaginably agonizing (laughs) for the sake of of glorifying God and Jesus words to us were follow me well here's how Peter responds let's carry on in verse 20 Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said Lord who is it that is going to betray you when Peter saw him he said to Jesus Lord what about this man Jesus said to him If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Instead of accepting this sobering but hard news from Jesus, Peter turns his attention to another disciple and looks at John and makes the comparison. And he says to Jesus, Well, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Can you hear yourself in Peter's question? I know that I could definitely hear myself asking something very similar. Are you ever tempted to ask God, what about her? What about what's going on in her life compared to mine? Why has she seemed to God it so easy and it's really hard for me. I mean, I'm really stressed. I'm really struggling to just keep my head above water. She's busy, but she seems to be doing great. God, why do you seem to be blessing her and you're not blessing me? Well, if you've ever had any of these questions or many others like it, you're not alone. I have shamefully been very discontent with the hand that God has dealt me at many times. And I've turned my attention to everyone else around me, comparing myself to them and really asking God, what about her? Instead of looking to God for the grace to follow him... I've compared myself to others, but ladies, honestly, this usually has, well, I say always, actually, left me feeling inadequate, like a failure, and very discontent. But listen to Jesus' response to Peter's question. In verse 22, excuse me, he says, Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, What is that to you? You follow me. Now, Jesus has just told Peter of the challenges and the suffering and the horrific death he's going to suffer in order to glorify God. And it could seem that instead of any kind of sympathy or even, you know, kind of a bit of a hug from Jesus going, you'll be right. Jesus is basically saying to him, it's none of your concern. What happens to John? What kind of death he dies? or whether I choose to let him live until I return. Your job is to follow me. Imagine, once again, how we might feel if we were Peter and heard those words. We might quickly start to exhibit those rotten fruits of fear, jealousy, coveting, discontentment. We might be tempted to actually think that our Savior is very unfair and very unkind, very unloving and has no compassion. But Jesus' words to Peter and to us show us that the exact opposite is true of him. In this moment, Jesus says the most loving, kind, compassionate words that he could possibly say to Peter. You follow me. Why is it so loving? Because Jesus knew the suffering that Peter was going to face. And he knew that the only way that Peter would ever be able to face such great suffering was for him to keep looking up to him. If Peter were to choose to look inward for strength and comfort, or if Peter was going to look around at everyone else and compare his situation to theirs, he was never going to be able to fulfill the calling that God had on his life that was ahead of him. And the most loving words that Jesus could say to him was to remind him to cling to Jesus. Whatever hardship and suffering came, and that was to tell him twice, you follow me. And you know, ladies, Jesus offers us that same beautiful invitation to us today, which is amazing. Don't worry about her life. You follow me. If I allow her an easier path, a less troubled life, less heartache, less sickness, less trials, less grief, what is that to you? You follow me. Because he knows that when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we will have the divine ability to joyfully live out the calling that he has on our lives, not her life. And if we accept this beautiful invitation that Jesus gives us to follow him, what fruit will this bear? Well, it's actually going to be beautiful, healthy fruit that will include peace and peace and joy and hope and contentment. Why? Because we'll be able to remind ourselves of the truth about who God is and who he says that he is. That he is enough. That he is in control. That he is powerful and faithful and loving and compassionate and kind. We will be able to remind ourselves that when we confess Jesus as our Lord, we actually have the spirit of God at work in us. So we will be able to walk through whatever it is that God is calling us to work through. This is the glorious way of escape from any and every single snare that we can be trapped in. And then because of these truths, we're actually to be able to remind ourselves who we are in Christ, that we are daughters of the great King of Kings, that we are chosen and loved by our Heavenly Father, and that we are truly free in Christ. You'll be able to remind yourself that God has sovereignly and lovingly not given you the perfect kids, but the perfect kids for you. And while you are not the perfect mother, you are the perfect mother for your kids. And, you know, we are not the perfect women, but we are redeemed at the foot of the cross. We are being changed day by day for our good and for his glory. So, ladies, having considered all these things, the snare, what awaits us in the snare, and the way of escape, perhaps you could be feeling a bit weighed down by this realization that this is maybe something that I really struggle with. Well, I definitely want us to walk away being encouraged this morning because Romans 8.1 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. This is actually amazing, great news for us today, ladies, because we don't need to be bound up in the snare of comparison any longer, but we can live in the freedom that Jesus has brought to us, shedding his blood for us at Calvary. You know, this news should actually bring us great joy. It should give us great hope as we look to him, because he's actually the only one who can give us everything that we need. So in light of this great hope in Jesus that we have, I thought it'd be good to just look at a few things that might be helpful for us to actively combat these temptations, avoiding the snares of comparison and seeking to follow him. And you've probably noticed this lovely stop sign up here, thanks to Alana. And uh, stop is standing for submit, turn, obey prayer and praise it's a double p but we're sneaking it in there Mm -hmm. so the first one s for submit firstly we can submit ourselves to god james 4 6 and 7 tells us you know god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you when we are able by god's incredible grace in us to humbly surrender our will and our desires for our lives to Him, He says that He gives us an abundance of grace. Grace for change, grace for whatever trials come, and grace to be able to resist the temptations that Satan might try to trap us with. We can do this by daily looking to Jesus, but why do we look to Him? Because He is the one who took our sins upon Himself as our perfect sacrifice. He died in our place and he rose again. And then he is now our glorious redeemer. There is a beautiful freedom to be found, ladies, in surrendering ourselves to a loving and generous savior. By doing this, we'll also be able to best glorify God with our lives, no matter what path he has chosen for us to walk. We look to him also because he is our perfect example of perseverance in the face of suffering and he is our perfect example of the one who faithfully fulfilled the calling that God had for him to do. So T is for turn. We may need to turn off or turn away from the things that might be contributing to our sinful comparing. You know this might include things like social media or the TV, Netflix, websites, blogs or apps. These things may not be sinful in and of themselves, but if they are a means to fuel our unhealthy comparisons, we may, excuse me, we can ask and pray that God would give us wisdom and maybe consider turning them off or turning away from them. Now, look, in regards to social media, please don't hear me saying that we all need to go cancel our Facebook accounts. You know, that's totally between you and God. But what I do think is really helpful to consider prayerfully is What impact are these things having on our thought life and ultimately our hearts? Maybe a good question is to ask, is my activity on social media actually causing me to grow, to love Christ more and to be more like Him? Or is it really causing me to drift away from Him and take my eyes off of Him? Are any of these things causing us to really look to earthly things or do they help us feel more inadequate? and discontent as a child of God and as a mum. If the answer to any of these things is yes, then I'd really encourage all of us to spend time with Jesus praying, asking him to show us what things we might need to turn off or turn away from now if you're not sure really if this is kind of a source of temptation for you if you're married probably the best person to ask is your husband or if your kids can talk i'm sure they'd love to give you their input as well you know they love you they know you the best and they want what's best for you i'm sure and they can be a great means of grace to help you discern your heart um, if you're unmarried or your husband isn't a Christian, then find an older woman that you trust perhaps the women in our growth groups can be a great source of truthful feedback and loving help to discern the what's going on in our lives so the next letter o for obey we can obey god's commands for us to put off our old self and to put to death the things of the flesh, we can go into that divine change room that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 and leave behind the old self, the discontentment, the fear, the anxiety, the jealousy, the coveting, our pride, and we can ask God to help us put on the new self, a contented spirit, a grateful heart, a peace and a joy and a humility that comes from a renewed mind. God's word tells us in Romans 2, verse 4, that it's actually God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance. And I really believe, ladies, that it is God's kindness to us that He may be lovingly exposing areas of weakness in us today. I think it's His kindness that is offering us a way out of this trap that can come from comparison, but offering us freedom that comes from Christ. So P is for prayer and praise. It may sound like the most obvious thing to pray and ask for God's help, but sometimes we forget that that's the first place we should go. We can't put off our old self without his help. We can't just renew our minds by trying really hard to do it. And we definitely can't just go around stapling good fruit to the trees of our lives. We are definitely dependent on the Lord for all of these things, including Being a godly woman and mum. Any change in us can only take place by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is so comforting to me to know that He is so faithful to help me when I cry out to Him for help. And He has not left any of us alone to walk through this high and holy calling of being a mom. And he will not leave us to do it in our own strength. Now, yes, it might hurt a bit. Pruning often hurts. But when we pray and ask for his grace to help us change, he is faithful and able to do it. And you know, ladies, the blessings that will come from that are blessings of joy and peace and hope and freedom that will be definitely worth it. Romans 8, 18 I think is a beautiful encouragement as well to help us to keep looking ahead to what actually awaits us. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the future glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul and Peter and many others like them lived this way both of these men faced terrible suffering and they were able though to still run the race that the lord had called them because they never took their eyes off the lord and did not stop following him they were looking forward to that glorious eternity they knew was waiting for them when they saw christ face to face and this is the same amazing hope that we have today when we are struggling with our sin or suffering There is great joy, ladies, in reminding ourselves that our future glory also awaits with our Savior. As well as prayer, let's not forget to praise him. You know, I once heard that the antidote for discontentment is to have a thankful heart. And I would encourage us, ladies, even though it can be really hard sometimes, to try to cultivate a heart full of gratitude. You know we all have so much to be thankful for don't we and yet sometimes it can definitely be easier to just talk about our struggles and our sufferings and things that we're finding difficulty or in or our failures but let's ask god for a heart that would be quick to be thankful and have a mouth that is quick to praise him for all that he is and all that he's done for us you know i think just one more thing to consider today as mums is what are we modeling for our children Are we modelling a life of constant comparison? Are we always referring to others' lives compared to our own, either speaking of them perhaps unfavourably or putting ourselves down because we feel inferior to them? Are we always stressed and anxious and grumbling and complaining or even idolising other women's lives? If we are, then sadly we shouldn't be that surprised if our kids start to do that as well. You know the saying that more is caught than taught and I think that's definitely true for us with our children and it really does start with us or on the reverse of that are we modeling for them what it looks like to be a woman who is content trusting in her savior a mom who is peaceful and thankful this too will have a beautiful flow-on effect for our kids and so let's ask the lord To help us train our daughters, ladies, especially daughters, because it's such a pressured culture that we live in to perform and to be like everybody else and, and measure ourselves up against others. We want to teach them and train them and model for them what it looks like to be women who are full of gratitude, unafraid, courageous, prayerful, hopeful, and joyful. And lastly, we can go I'm sorry I don't have a go sign to go with our stop sign but uh, we can go to God we can go to his throne of grace with confidence because there Hebrews four sixteen tells us we will receive mercy and grace in our time of need when we need help to flee from this snare of comparing We have an amazing Heavenly Father who is waiting for us to just ask for help, and He is merciful and gracious to give it. This is a beautiful promise that I want you to go home with today, ladies. So, when we are tempted to walk into the snare of comparing, we can submit ourselves to God, we can turn away from the source of our temptation, we can obey His commands, we can pray for mercy and grace. And we can praise him with a thankful heart. We can go, ladies today, remembering Jesus' loving words to Peter. You follow me. These are the loving words of life given to us from our gracious Redeemer who invites us to trust in him and his very good plan for our lives. We can go, but as we do, let's keep looking up to our Savior Because that is the only place we're going to really find our hope, true peace, and lasting joy. He is with us every step as we seek to follow him. How about if we just uh, pray together before um, Emma's going to come up here alongside. And uh, we'll just have a time of discussion. If you've got any questions about the talk, we'll uh, do that. But let's pray together first. Gracious Heavenly Father. We are so thankful that you do not leave us in our sin. You do not leave us um, wanting, but you have given us a great way to come to you to cry out for your help, and you are faithful and merciful and loving to give it to us. Lord, thank you for the cross that made a way for us to be at peace with you. Thank you, Lord, that you will help us in this task of overcoming the uh, trap of comparison, Lord, we need your help in it, and we are knowing that you are a faithful, loving God, that you've invited us to follow you. And by doing that, we're going to find great freedom because of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.